What were we talking about? Oh yeah, bold men in accounting. I didn't know where you were going with it. Do you have a point? I was just trying to figure out if there was more more to the league, who, who was going to go for the relegation places. Do you know any other famous uh, bald men in uh, accounting, Lucy? Oh, God. Now you're asking me. It's a tough one, isn't it? You'd think oh, they'd be everywhere. Yeah. We spread <laughs> like wildfire. <laughs> There's, there's lots of accountants for comb-overs, but they don't count in. No. Or, or I've, I've met some with proper, uh, what are they called? Um, with a stick on hair. What's it called? I've got <laughs> toupee. Toupee. I've got mind blank. For some reason I have Merkin in my head. Merkin? Merkin. <laughs> I tell you what. That's, that's sticking out on a very different Yeah, I was exactly. going to say, if you're meeting accountants at Merkin, so I mean, that is interesting. Well, you know what there's I get up to. stories there. <laughs> you know what I get to the weekend on. Ryan's regaling his penis story. Wasn't my penis. I'm making that clear. Some other person's penis. That's yeah. a way to start the podcast, isn't it? Was, wasn't my penis. We don't know that yet. <laughs> <laughs> it looked, if it wasn't him, it looked like someone just like him. Alistair. It wasn't just like him. It was, it was a bald man. It was Alistair Barlow. <laughs> How are you, Lucy? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Hot, sweaty. Yeah, bit flustered, yeah. I know, I hate that. I hate writing all this I remember once I had to get a plane to the States and there was a layover in Charles de Gaulle Airport in France and we took off in the UK like 45 minutes early. I was trying to get through French security in my pigeon French and like I could hear them calling my name. I was like, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. Like they're calling my name. The French are like, miss the flight, you missed the flight. I'm like, no! <laughs> and I ran the plane and I'm an ex powerlifter, so I'm not one for running. And uh, yeah, I ran the flight and um, I was like the last one on the plane and like everyone wanted to get on and I was all sweaty and oh god it was awful I sat there and then the French were probably like and now we're going on strike yeah and they were like and oh, we're not taking off the reason that you're on this podcast is at least then someone gives Brian and Johnson more stick talking penis jokes I mean you've got us two already so well a couple of cops is that where you're going yeah I'm glad that we've set the tone with penises merkins um, oh, yeah. that. <laughs> oh you missed much, that indeed. Very yeah. much my level. <laughs> Ryan Ryan knows a lot of accountants with Merkins apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. He keeps bumping into them. Yeah. I've got the word for toupee. I could only a Merkin was stuck in my head. <laughs> What's yeah. a Merkin? Oh, yeah, yeah. Lady Garden Wick. Lady <laughs> Garden Wick. Hello and welcome to the Digitals in a Cruel World podcast. This is your host, Ryan Piercy, and today we are going to be delving into should accountants be building their own tech? We've got an amazing guest, but before we introduce her, I'm going to hand over to John. John, how are you? Hi, Ryan. Yeah, I'm good. I'm feeling very warm. We're going semi-professional here in a studio in London in anticipation of a very busy week with a lot of shows going on, so it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. And then also we've got our amazing producer, Indy. Indy, how are you? Good. A little bit hot and bothered, thanks to running around London trying to find this studio that John booked. <laughs> Rather helpfully, I asked him for directions, but he could only direct me to Princess Street in Manchester. <laughs> Canal Street. Well, you got here eventually, that's the main thing. And then finally, we have our amazing guest, Lucy Cohen from Azuma. How are you, Lucy? Hi guys, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on, very excited. Yeah, thank you for joining us. So, um, without further ado, let's jump into the main topic. All right, so those of you that have listened to the last few podcasts realise we've changed the structure slightly and we now have a more general discussion about something of interest. And the topic that we think is very interesting at the moment is how many accounting firms are delving into their own development of technology. Now, John, this is something that we come across a little bit with the people 
we talked to in the county area, potentially someone like Alistair Barlow, who's been developing his own reporting tech. Have you seen this growing over time, or is this something that's actually been bubbling along for quite a long period? Um, thanks, Ryan. That's a spectacularly difficult question to answer. <laughs> um, I've been kind of dabbling with technology for quite a long time and doing different things, sometimes around dashboards, sometimes around reporting, occasionally around apps and stuff, but it's fairly unusual in the accounting space in general. And clearly, we've got Lucy on to talk about what she's doing specifically. We've already half touched on this in the past when we talked about the news of what Mazuma are doing and what Mazap looks like and it's fair to say it scared the crap out of us traditional accountants we weren't quite sure what it does and what it looks like and whether it's a crazy idea or not. Definitely there must be a reason that people are doing this one of them may be frustration in what's out there in the marketplace the development's going on and the fact it's maybe not being tailored sufficiently enough for the accounting industry is that something you've come across John in your dealings with the early adopters hub? There is always frustration in the accountancy space around software and software providers. And I think Alistair Ballow has touched on this before, is that accountants are never satisfied with their tech, even if it's possibly the best thing that's out there. And it's a challenge. There are so many things that can be potentially fixed with technology, but equally there are so many problems that accountants create of their own making when it comes to technology in terms of poor implementation, poor training, poor application. So I think it's a bit of swings and roundabouts in terms of where that goes. Obviously, technology seems to be at the forefront of everything and, and people are starting to talk about whether accountancy firms should rebrand themselves or rebadge themselves as technology businesses providing compliance service around the outside. I'm not entirely sure that's that's hugely relevant. You could say the same about the fact that we power our offices with electricity, but it doesn't make us power stations and, and everything else. So technology is a means to an end. It's a means to an end in terms of delivering good service and good quality service to clients. Uh, and it's entirely up to firms to decide on what kind of technology they want to make that happen, whether they buy it off the shelf or develop it themselves. Yeah, there's a frustration from the software vendor's point of view as well in the fact that accountants are very hard to sell to. They're very hard to understand what they want. We've all got different opinions. Indy, being in that, that software space, have you experienced the pain point on the other side of how you know, trying to get anything out of accountants is like trying to get blood from a stone? Not in all cases, but it depends if the technology is relevant or the accountant feels like it's an area that they want to spend more time investigating or it's fundamental to the way that they work with their clients. So if it's already within the workflow, then it is something that's easy enough to implement and work with the accountant on. If it's not in the workflow and it's about innovating, then sure, accountants have been more reserved as a channel than most of the other channels that I've ever previously worked with this goes back to why Lucy's on today I think that it's about being proactive with the use of technology and how it works within the practice because in the end it really depends on how you want to best service the client relationship and one part of it is that so much of the technology in the past has dominated the way that the accountant should adapt to work with the client whereas this is the other way around it's the way the accountant is saying, okay, I'm going to take control of the technology as a channel to service my clients in the way that I want to service them. Lucy, it brings us nicely on to asking you more about how this came about and why you started thinking about the way that Mazap could work with your clients and how it's a step away from some of the other bookkeeping softwares that are out there. Yeah, so it's probably worth prefacing this. We work in one very specific client base, which is micro businesses. And we work with ones which traditionally most firms hate 
they're small, they're scruffy, they're not Luddites, but they're definitely not early adopters of technology. They are unlikely to change unless they're forced to legislatively, and they have no real reason to change the way that they work. So when we service our clients, you know, when we started up Crikey nearly 16 years ago, um, it was put it in a physical purple envelope, post it to us and we'll do everything else. And we still have a decent percentage of our client base who are not digitally engaged whatsoever. They are still literally going around having paper receipts, writing paper invoices. Let's not get started on MTD, that's a whole other thing. But still going around, doing all that stuff. We've got a plan for them, don't worry. But they are our client base. And we need something that with MTD coming in is going to fit that client base. So we started years ago now, actually, looking around like, okay, so we want to upgrade our systems, start moving stuff off local servers, I used to have a giant server room in our offices, much off that into the cloud, thank goodness, pre-COVID. We started doing all that years ago. And the way this came about was I wrote a bit of a cheeky piece about beware fintech land grab, which is we've got a lot of people, the new banks of the world, the neo banks coming in going, we can file your tax for you, um, and oh God, um, we can file your tax for you through your bank account. I'm like, no, no, don't do that. And it got us thinking about how we're going to upgrade it. And I wrote this piece about, look, you, cloud software is amazing, but is it really appropriate for you as a small micro business? And this piece very much targeted at our audience, our keywords, that kind of thing. Anyway, I won't name them, but one of the big boys read this piece and got very upset and we don't use them by the way never have got very upset and got in contact with us and said um oh yeah i can't believe you'd say that small businesses shouldn't use our software i said no that's not what i said at all i said some small businesses might want to think about what's the most appropriate thing for them let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater here um anyway so they wanted to come down and meet me at my offices i was like oh we're really going for it all right off you come so down they came and it was all the lols and we had a little laugh about the whole thing and and they're like, look, we think we'd actually be a really good fit. And we think you may be doing a bit of a disservice and we could really work with you. I was like, look, our target, our BHAG in terms of clients, 10,000. We want 10,000 clients. So let's assume we're going to do that. What does your pricing look like for 10,000 clients? And they're like, well, it's £5 per client per month. And I was like, that's £600,000 a year. Um, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, but you can, you can recharge that. And I'm like, yeah, but we can't really because hmm. that's kind of not how our client base works that's not how our model works it's an all-in thing so we either have to increase our costs and therefore prices by six hundred thousand pounds or we've got to take a hit on the profits so anyway i was like thank you so much for your information um i'll um don't call me i'll call you <laughs> my people will be in touch and i went back to my office and i was chatting to my co-founder sophie and i was like bloody hell six hundred thousand pound a year for software we don't even own like this seems like we're in the wrong business and then she went then we joke, we're like, huh, we could probably build it for that. And then she went, oh, why don't we? I was like, huh. so, so it was your partner that came up with the idea then? Yeah, she was like, yeah, why don't we? I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's have a look at this. Uh, so we, we did a lot of research uh, and we scoped out how much it cost. And look, you know, full disclosure, it is not cheap to build a piece of software. It's probably a surprise to nobody, costs a lot of money. And we still got a lot of continuous development we want to do we're by no means finished in what we want to do with it and then at the moment we've got it kind of doing the basics of what we want and then now we've got that working we can keep adding things on but it gave us a chance to go right how do our client base interact with us how do we want to interact with them how do we want to 
get that information, process information, where do you want the data to go? What does that workflow look like? And we just built it from the bottom up. And that's why we came up with it. Going back to Ryan, what you said earlier about kind of frustration with the incumbents and then for us yeah. the price piece well, and the market we work in, that's why we went down this route. I assume you wouldn't tell us who this incumbent was that you had the meeting with. Five pound a month, it's got to be QuickBooks. I better not really, I better Come on, not. it's got to be QuickBooks at five pound a month. Could well be, that, that'll I'll leave you to speculate. <laughs> it's ruled zero out at that price point. I love the purple envelopes though. The videos you. were amazing. Did you guys catch the original I'd videos that Lucy that. did? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh. I did the, uh, the, purple, the purple envelopes predated Mazap though, didn't they? They've yeah, been, They've been around for a long time, haven't they? Quite a long, yes, since 2006. Yeah, yeah. And so with obviously this focus on trying to develop something yourself, uh, is that giving you the ability or in the longer term, is that giving you the, the opportunity to sort of chip away at products that you're currently using, for example? Yeah, absolutely. So eventually it means that other things we're using around it, so lots of CRMs and you. I mean, I, I have absolutely no ambitions to build our own tax filing software. That's... I think there are better qualified people to handle that. I'll just leave them to it. But it allows us to, yeah, chip away at things we're currently using or integrate them so it's running much more you know, seamlessly to use APIs to kind of pull data from where we want to. We've done it primarily for ourselves because it was cheaper than the alternative. Really, yeah. that was kind so, of what it worked out as. Is the dream is to have our accountants be able to open up their laptops and they can do everything for a client from one screen. That's what we want, is to not have loads of tabs open, just one to do it from one screen. As you've stated, the key driver was that cost-benefit analysis. And I think that's what a lot of accountants look at and go, this is too scary. The team can't yeah. understand what that cost will be. Have you set out how much you're willing to spend on the development of this? Or now you're kind of all in, it's, it's no matter what really, we have to make this work. Yeah, the latter really, it's kind of all in. And if you're going to go down the route of development technology, you can't just build it and then leave it for a few years. It constantly needs babysitting, nurturing, changing, because the world moves so quickly. So we've got a list as long as our arms of things we want to add into it, extra stuff we want it to do. But it's all just about, right, you know, marginal gains. This is a bit of an annoying process. Why are we doing it like this? Does it need to happen like this? Can we change it? And having our own to do that gives us a better opportunity to do it. And the reason it's so important to us is because we work at such scale. So because we've got thousands of clients that we're dealing with on a very regular basis, you know, monthly, that's hundreds of thousands of touch points per year with various people. We just need to have something that works really very simply and very effectively for us in what we want to deliver. And that's where it came from. Yeah, it sounds, sounds really exciting. And I, I touched on it before, but when Ryan and I talked about uh, Mazap originally, we were freaking out because we were like, oh my God, this sounds really grim, like a bottomless pit almost in terms of yeah. money. And It you're... probably is. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. So, so on that then, as every software develops, you start turning it from something simple into more complex because you keep adding things to it. Yeah, yeah. How did you set out what the development pathway was? Because I guess that's the key thing you have to get right at, at the start to make sure you're getting as much return on investment as quickly as possible. Yeah, so it's really looking at, all right, what are we bare bones like what is the minimum we expect this to achieve take off all the fancy widgets buttons apis you know, all the fancy stuff what's the minimum we want this to achieve and that's a good functional gl with mtd filing capability that can pull data from different sources that's the mvp there that's it so that's what we set out and then we set out what we want it to look like and then what do we want to do the back end and the front end to look like what does the client see what do we see that sort of stuff and that was the starting point is very basically let's not 
muddy the waters with, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have this? Because we've run a subscription service the entire time we've been in existence, we've got very good at going, why are we doing this? Is this still relevant? Do we need to keep doing this? Or can we just stop doing this entirely? Or do we need to change it? Just staff stuff, like we found fairly recently that somebody was saving a copy of a client contract into a separate folder somewhere else. And I was like, we don't need to do that anymore. Mazap's got it all in there. Don't need it. The previously we were saving something there. And if you add up the seconds that saves over however many years, that's quite a lot of time. So it's those sorts of things. It's the sort of stuff where on the surface of it, we did a thing today and we, we we'll, we'll do some work with with our team. We're like, oh, if we do this, we could save 45 seconds per client per month. And everyone was like, oh, that's amazing. Most people would be like, 45 seconds a client per month, that's rubbish, why bother? <laughs> But from where we are out. now yeah. and where we want to be, that makes a big difference. And you mentioned that your, your MVP was effectively a GL. Yeah. Uh, what does Mazap look like now? It is. So it's a working GL and we're still ironing out bugs. <laughs> so it's working and it, it does what we want it to do and it's quicker than how we were working previously. But is it exactly where we want it right now? No. Does it make a difference to our clients? No. So that is our, that's our burden. In terms mm. of the client interface and what we want it to do for them, great it does everything we want for them it it does everything we want to do for us we've got still got improvements to make and does that include the things that we would be familiar with in the sort of the zero quickbooks space bank feeds ocr that kind of stuff yeah yeah bank feeds ocr mtd filing it's got contracting direct debit setup payments invoicing all that kind of stuff in it as well you've got an awful lot that you've built out in this over time so i know you say it's not where you want it to be but there's an awful lot that you've built into this system yeah, well, for us, it's all about getting somebody in as few clicks as possible into being sticky with us. So how do we, in as few clicks as possible, get them to find us, go, yes, they're the people for me. Um, Sounds like one of Indy's quite- dating apps. <laughs> I'm in person with you now, John, so be careful. <laughs> okay. she, she, got, she got a glass of water she could throw you. I, I can literally <laughs> lean over and thump him, so, it's <laughs> so he knows. Um, yeah, so it, go, it goes from get them to inquire, get them to speak to somebody, get them to agree to sign up. And from that point, that going, yes, I'd like to sign up with you. Again, contracting, we were using an electronic document system and then a separate direct debit system. So we've now got that in one place. That saves a duplication of data. And then we were having to create from that direct debit system the schedules to send out to clients. Well, this now does that automatically. It sends them a text reminder to tell them don't forget your direct debit's coming out on this date. That's all done as well. So we don't have people going, oh, I forgot I had to pay you. It cuts down on the amount we've got to do on the billing. From that point of view, it was an admin job, that bit. Basically, annoying, I hate faff. I hate faffing. Yeah. Annoying, faffy admin jobs. Let's get as much of them bundles as we can. And then let's get this GL working and get it looking half decent for a, look, let's be honest, probably a good proportion of our clients do not go and read their management accounts every month. We had clients who we'd send out lovingly packaged, beautiful purple envelopes with a bound paperwork in them, sent out of them, and then they come to us years later and they haven't opened a single one of them. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad we spent all that time and effort doing that. Brilliant. It's a bit you like know. engagement letters, isn't it? You know, you get clients who will bring you back engagement letters every year just in an envelope. It's like, thanks, yeah, thanks yeah, for reading exactly. it, guys. Yeah, cheers for that. I spent a lot of time and money doing that. Awesome, thanks. But you know, you, you've got to do it right. So. It's, it's building up for that and then we've built out and then we've got loads of other stuff we want to put into it for what it's working for now it's answered the question we wanted to answer which was if we've got an easy way for clients to get stuff to us can we get their data in a in an easier way than we were before yes we can brilliant can we process it quicker yeah we can brilliant 
Can we talk to them more simply? Yeah, done. So, so I guess where it is now is you're already getting a return on it because you're yeah. saving the time and you're saving the software cost that you'd be using. Have you hit that return on investment point yet? Do you know where that would come back? So officially, phase, the return on two phases really. So phase one was an annoying faffy admin, billing, whatever. We've already got the ROI on that. Granted, that was a smaller proportion of the spend because you know, producing the GL and stuff was more difficult. In terms of the return on the investment from the GL, we're going to start realizing the savings on that in October. And then within 12 months, we should basically be in a bit of a, as long as we don't keep adding more and more. more, more. <laughs> well, I, I feel this from is the like... Initial, from initial phase two, we should be there within about a year. I feel this is like a house where it's never perfect. You always want to tinker with something. You always be playing with it just to, to get it, you know, just how, oh, this yeah. doesn't quite work how we'd want. Exactly that. And we're having to be really strict with ourselves. So again, I had this catch up with my team today. I was like, look, what you, you said you want to put this feature in. Who's asked you for that? Is this just something that you've thought up? It'd be nice if you asked any of our clients, but if you've done any sort of research, I know you'd love a button that does this, but why are we putting it there? Why are we spending money on this if we don't really need it? And again, if you go out to the client base and ask every client what they want, every single one of them will say something different, basically. So it's just a case of me kind of draconian, but telling them what's best for them, knowing what works <laughs> best for them, and then kind of trying to filter out the noise, really, and only kind of putting things that are actually going to actually going to improve our lives yeah i think actually that's where sometimes software vendors go wrong because they listen or they're asking sometimes the wrong people the wrong questions and they get the feedback not necessarily you in it that's what i'm saying but they get the wrong feedback and then they develop off in the wrong the wrong way but the fact you're an accountant you know what you need to do and you want to obviously get as much information in but the filtering process is what's key actually just on that so since you've kind of delved now into that product space, have you then had to recruit differently to then resource it? Are you managing this as its own independent product that could potentially be licensed to other accountants White as well? labelling, is that where you're going? So at the moment, it, this is something that we've built to solve our own problems. Uh, very, very political here. At the moment, uh, yeah. we, but I that's not to say there's not a commercial I opportunity. The freedom bus pass. Um, yeah, at the moment, it's we 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 built, and the um, the intent of it was to solve our own issues. Does that mean that it couldn't solve someone else's issues in the future? Potentially not. We don't know how we go about licensing at the moment. It's not something that's on the immediate roadmap. But if there's an appetite for it, I mean, who am I to look a gift horse in the mouth, right? If there's an appetite for it and it and it solves a problem, which is basically how I get my jollies is solving problems. Yeah, then great. But yeah, it is something that we're thinking about. But we are treating it as its own. It's got its own team, and obviously our accountants aren't developing it. Um, so it's got its own team, and it has its own bit in the MI pack about its own roadmap. And we've got a product manager who works for us who kind of oversees the whole thing so the type of staff that we now recruit into the business is much more diverse than it was say two years ago in doing it have you had more empathy or less empathy with the other software products that are out oh, there at the moment that's a really good question i've not actually thought about that don't um, care about people that. Like that fuck them yeah <laughs> <laughs> in terms of realizing that everything takes so much longer than you think it's going to so if someone says it's going to take you six weeks and you can definitely triple that and double the cost again very much like a house analogy the builder gives you a quote expected to double in terms of looking at uh, what it means oh, i don't want to shoot myself in the foot here it's not hard to make a product that works you just have to listen to the right people and that's the hardest bit 
is not starting to believe your own hype and not starting to get so wrapped up in your concept of what it could be that you lose sight of what it actually needs to do in here and now. And we've had to step back a few times just to go, hang on a second, whoa, 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 whoa. we are getting way ahead of ourselves. And when I say we, me, I'm getting way ahead of myself and I'm going, let's do this. And then it's only a very certain number of people who are brave enough to go, shut up, Lucy. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Wind your neck in, stay out of it. Um, but no, the technical side of it and all the rest of it is one thing. One of the hardest parts about it is not letting feature creep come in, not letting you like, lose focus and kind of, it, you start off with wanting to do this thing and it not being a kind of, not being a product made by committee. I often think like MTD seems like that, right? So it started off with this like great idea, like we'll get everyone's data monthly and it's all gonna be done online and no one can find anything. It's turned out into you can't copy and paste on the HMRC site. Like that's ultimately what MTD means, right? Much, yeah. It started off as this great plan. It's turned out into <laughs> just can't copy and paste. I'm very conscious that you have to keep kind of pulling yourself back and going, right, hang on, are we still going? Because if you start going slightly left and then continuing to go, you go a long way, a long, long way off. Route. Yeah, are you still hitting the original purpose that you developed it for in the first place? Absolutely, yeah. Like, is it still going at the end of this? It's still going to do what we did. You start trying to design a horse and you end up with a zebra. Like, that'd still be cool. Yeah. I'd like a zebra. So, John, I think we should talk about one of our cornerstone sponsors, Comma. For a bulk payments platform built on open banking, which I think is your baby. <laughs> it absolutely is my baby. So yeah, delighted to talk about Comma. They are a platform that will integrate with all of the major cloud accounting platforms like QuickBooks and Xero and Sage, etc. And we'll also have those connections into most of the high street banks and some of the leading fintech accounts. So the concept around Comma is that you can pull your invoices directly from whatever accounting system you've used. You can then pick and choose which ones you want to pay. And at pretty much the click of a button, it will take you direct to your bank account to make one-click payments. So super speedy. They also allow you to do payroll payments as well in a similar kind of fashion. You've got to think about this as a simple way of avoiding those errors that can be easily made in terms of putting the wrong account number or wrong details in. And you know that because it's connected to your account system, you're getting the correct data live, ready to pay at the right time. Cool, yeah, and I've got some clients on this that, that swear by it already. Um, and it's already streamlined the entire payables solution. So if you want to know more, check out usecomma.com, which is U-S-E-C-O-M-M-A.com. Have you listened to any of our podcasts so far? Yeah, a few of them, yes, yeah. Yes, someone, that one. <laughs> Finally, there's a guest that's actually listened. Like... I know Alistair Barlow's a big fan, so. Yes, he is. He moans at me when we don't mention him. I'll mention him as well. I'll be really happy then. Yeah, don't do too much. He's got a big enough ego, is he? Oh, India's calling us, probably because she can't work out to get up the lift. Where is she? Round the back of the dodgy battery. No, it's, ta it's no. taken a look. So she's she's you gone round the back of the building. Of the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If All it looks right. like you've bit, you're about to be right murdered, down don't go down that route. Yeah. I went down there. You, you don't want to go down there. You're asking the person who doesn't live in London directions for navigating around London. I mean, oh it doesn't help, does it? Did she go down the dodgy back alley? Are you down the dodgy back alley? Is that where you are? Where Bread Street Kitchen is? Where what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, go back down Union Street down there and if you get to the print rooms, go into the so big main the big like kind of main entrance there. It's got like a kind of there gold is. um sort of like weird sign outside the front. Go in there and you'll find it. Okay. Sorry, thank you. Is it by the print room? Oh, fucking like, hell. I don't know which way I'm walking. I keep walking up and down on this fucking road. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Luckily, we yeah. got you next to the mic just for extra comedy value. <laughs> so it looks like we might be a trio soon, which is good. Uh, how, do, how do you manage feedback into the product, though? You mentioned before your staff are using the product. The example that you gave before of somebody wanting a shiny new button that does something. But what, what's your process for managing that? Because clearly people are going to have ideas, not just yourself. And some of those ideas will be good. Some of them won't be good. And, but somebody's going to make a decision about where you make that focus on development. Yeah. Oh, everyone's got ideas, haven't they? Everyone's got a great idea. It always starts with, could we just, could we just put this thing here? Or could we just change this layout? So we, like I said, we do have a product manager and he's very much the voice of reason. So all ideas from both users and staff go via him. And then he looks at whether those ideas are feasible. He'll probably call a little meeting and go like, again, is this staying in terms of what we want to do? Or are we getting distracted by kind of magpie-like shiny things? And at this point, it still needs to deliver the ROI. We're not in a space where we can go, we can start on our nice to have list. We're on the essentials list. We're not really in a place where we can start going on the nice to have list just yet. Does it meet those goals? Is it already on the roadmap? In which case we can say it's going to happen in you know, 15 months time or whatever it is. Or is this genuinely something that we've never thought of and go, oh, actually, because it does happen actually. Because you're so kind of blinkered, I suppose, you develop, 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 and then someone says, did you ever think of doing this? You're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed I did not think of doing that. The classic example is when Apple Health first got launched, isn't it? And they didn't have any female developers in the room, so they forgot to put a period tracking um, element <laughs> to it. So you don't want to make like, gigantic oversights like that. So we try and make sure that we have a diverse number of people feeding back into us. So we're not just getting the voice from one place, but it is hard to manage. and it can very easily become unstructured. It definitely sounds like quite a challenge, an exciting challenge, but quite a challenge. And the reason you went down this route is because you are quite niche in a a very specific area. And a lot of accounting firms aren't gonna be like that. They can be quite generic. And so they've got to explore what other options they can Mm. go down. One of them, I guess, is what we're involved in, John, which is the Early Adopters Hub, trying to influence those early development points of of software Mm. to shape it into where the accounting industry should go. And something that I'm starting to see is more development in that micro-entity space. Are you seeing that as well, John? Yeah, there's definitely definitely more of that. But the key thing for you, Lucy, is this replicable? Is this something where other Mazuma-like firms can say, right, well, you know, if, if Lucy's done it, why can't we do it? Or uh, do you have to have that, that, that particular sort of niche or that particular type of client base that, that you've got, for example? I mean, it's definitely replicable. Absolutely. Of course it is. I can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah, I'm not going to claim to be some kind of genius, but it's, it's whether it's worth it. And that's the real piece. If, it, if this wasn't worth it for us to do, we wouldn't have done it. Like if it wasn't kind of something that was going to give us the ROI, was going to improve efficiency, was going to help us meet our end goals, there would be no point in doing it. No matter how much I love the idea of having something our own and shiny and whatever else, if something else worked better, then I would use the thing that worked better. And I think if you've got the scale, have you got the time? Because it is a big time sinking commitment, like you said. It's a, a pit in terms of both money and time. Is it is it worth you doing? That's the big question. Not can you do it? Anything's possible, but should you do it? We'll just wait for the uh, MAZAP licenses. Well, yeah. Do well, yeah. you, there we are. I mean, there's many accounting <laughs> conferences this year. Maybe one will pop up with a, a MAZAP stand at some a point. A little stand, yeah. There's, there's it, not much it, purple in the uh, accounting isn't. world, is there? There's not. There's a lot of green and blue, isn't there? And yeah. a bit of red. But yeah, a, a bit of purple might be nice. So I guess this brings us to a bit of a summary. There's a lot of pain out there on what software companies choose to develop. And you can either do what you've done. You can go and develop your own app. 
put a lot of money in, a lot of investment, a lot of time in, but you have to keep that focus, as you said, make yeah. sure it's going to that original goal, that horse that you're trying to develop rather than the zebra that it may turn into. Um, could be worse, could be a Shetland pony. It could be, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, you might end up with a Shetland pony, a three-legged or donkey. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... <laughs> Um, well, unicorn. That's what you want. <laughs> a unicorn. unicorn. Oh, sorry, the horse got a unicorn. That's a, that's a sound bite. That is. Use that. He's full of those. That. It's mine now. <laughs> and if you don't want to go down that route, you've either got the option that we do, John, which is get involved, spend a lot of time actually investing in helping shape software and get in there first so you know what it's like. Yeah. And if you don't want to have time for either of those, it's basically just accept that this is what it is. This is just how the accounting landscape is now. But... Do we think that's going to change? Do we see more accountancy firms develop their tech over time? Well, what Lucy, do you think? Do you, do you think in the process of going about this and exploring building this, since you've launched, have you found more accountants have come to you to then understand more around your process flows and what's been optimised and how it's changed your yeah. practice in terms of day-to-day running? Yeah, so there's definitely an appetite out there for something different than, than what exists out there. I've had a lot of people contact me going, that's really fascinating what you're doing. Why do you go about doing it? Basically, all the questions you're asking, like, is it not just a gigantic waste of money? Are you insane? Um, it's good to know that all accountants just... are the same. Yeah. <laughs> why do you just get zero? All, all that stuff. I answer as many as I possibly can, but there's definitely an appetite. I'm kind of met with initial resistance of like, that seems daft, why didn't you just? And then when I start explaining it, they're like, oh, actually, do you know what? I wouldn't want to develop my own GL, but I've got this really annoying problem with the way we onboard people. This is really irritating. Or, oh, yeah, we like to do these kind of these sorts of meetings. And a lot of this stuff is quite cookie cutter. And it would be quite good to have something that automates that. And then it starts going down there. And I think we've got things like Zapier and other other platforms that allow you to integrate and automate. And accountants are much more savvy at kind of understanding how to put together a workflow than they were, say, 15 years ago. Yeah, I think it's going to change the landscape and people are going to start going, right, and not necessarily just have one vendor or one main vendor go, well, I can use this vendor for this, but actually I can integrate it. I could use that bit for that and then create a kind of bespoke product that is, that's my USP for my firm. There's definitely an appetite for that. People are definitely interested in it. You hit now on the head. It, it, firms could develop little areas to solve little problems, yeah. not necessarily throw yeah. kind of all their money into an whole product. Yeah, the absolutely. Other, the other thing that you touched on was that you would not be crazy enough to develop a tax or accounting full-on <laughs> app. Um, yeah, I've boldly said that now. Give me five years. Yeah, <laughs> there'll be one. Mazat Plus. There has been talk about, or speculation, about accountancy firms getting together to build a tax or accounting software. But the thing that always stops it is that concern about the politics of collaboration. If you think about trying to get anything through an accounting firm anyway, especially one that's you know bigger than a few partners or owners, yeah trying to get accounting firms to work together. So do we think that's possible? Or do we think that will never happen? Accounting firms just can't work together to build something. There's a joke in there, isn't there? How many accountants does it take to make a piece of software? There's a cracker joke in there. It depends on the attitudes and the mindset of the people involved, doesn't it? And really what the commercials look like as well, because that's what that's going to come down to, presumably it's going to get licensed. Uh, and what that IP ownership looks like, that's mm. core. But also... People use different bits of software in different ways. And that's why we've got diversity across the software landscape because people like different features. People like enjoying different UXs and enjoy things in different places. Will you ever reach consensus about the, what the best way of doing it is? No. No, of course you're not going to. So in which case, 
is it worth doing? Or do you end up with a very watered down? Again, it's, it's creating something by committee. You start off with this gigantic idea and we end up with MTD. I, and I, that's... Yeah, I, I think actually your summary of trying to, to navigate the development pathway just when you've got full control is tricky enough. Yeah. When oh, you've yeah. got, a, like you say, a committee doing it, I think that would just be crazy. The other thing that we're going through now is you had QuickBooks Online Zero pioneering how cloud-based accounting software developed. And they've now become, well, QuickBooks has always been huge, but Zero has hit that huge business now. And yeah. development seems to be plateauing. You're not getting anything that's just out of this world. Do we feel that that next pioneer, that next amazing piece of software will come from a software provider, software developer, or from an accounting firm? Ooh, it depends. We're looking for the next big thing. Who do we think is most likely to have the foresight to solve the problem that no one really knows they have yet? If you'd have asked maybe accountants 25, 30 years ago, do you think that cloud software is going to be a thing? They'd have most gone, cloud what? Pardon? No, I've got a CD-ROM. It's fine. It works fine. Why would you bother? I think some accountants still do that, to be honest. <laughs> I remember first hearing about Zero, and, and well, 10, 12 years ago, this company out in New Zealand and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And it took a decent amount of time for that to get traction. QuickBooks is different because they've not come from a cloud-only space. They've come from desktop into cloud. So that transition, that business model, the press was a brand loyalty. Same with Sage, already there. But Quick Zero just came in like, boosh, cloud, there we are. That's all we're doing. I, I love, love that. This is what we do. This is all we're doing. Have it. And who do we think is going to be likely? I mean, has an accountant ever done it before and done that? let's face it these things cost a lot of money who's going to be able to raise the money to do that sort of thing and solve that kind of problem and make that pitch and i think that's probably more likely about who's going to do it is who's going to there have you go lucy that's uh, so that's that's your next development <laughs> so well, any big vc job. firms listening any yeah. big vc funds listening to podcast get in touch with me <laughs> <laughs> i wonder what your view ben is lucy on more of a neobanks that are now starting to take a bit of a bite out of that market anyway to do with the accounting software and whether no. you've, mm. you know. I have opinions on this, obviously. Come, come. Yeah, we like opinions. Come on, come on. Uh, so, I'm going to really shoot myself in the foot here. I'm sceptical about that. I feel like it's a land grab and it's a bit cheap, if I'm honest, because I actually predict that it could be very damaging to accountants as a profession. Accountants as a whole, and what we're dealing with here, is we're having to fight people with very deep pockets, tax software providers advertising at the super bowl like i mean have we got cool suddenly unlikely but and there's messaging out there that implies quite strongly and there has been a little bit of leapfrogging you don't need an account anymore just use this and this will solve all your problems and they've got catchy tv ads and all the rest of it in fact there's an ongoing joke in our house whenever one of these catchy tv ads comes on my husband's like oh they look good i'm like get out you'll um, be on one soon Get out, yeah, leave. I'm not doing your tax returns anymore. You can do your own or pay like everyone else. Um, but yeah, with the neobanks, it seems like an easy win, right? Here, pay £7 a month for this piece of expense allocation software. And sure, yeah, I mean, I saw one of them. We'll file your taxes as part of your bank account. Oh, dear Lord. Um, Dangerous. Again, it's, it, it, I think it's cheap. Not because I think they're trying to be cheap. Maybe they are. But I think it cheapens what accountants do. And it's disrespectful to the time effort and expertise that the accountancy industry provides to small businesses i saw a pitch at a event recently and it was a, a app for filing your self-assessment tax return based purely off your open banking data so yeah we'll collect your open banking data and we'll file your self-assessment tax return 
And they had in their pitch this thing about the accountancy partnership channel and all the rest of it. And then at the end, on their last slide, they said, we want to make accountants redundant. And wow. I think that's a massive problem. Not because I'm like, oh no, you know, technology is coming in and stealing all the jobs. Because the thought of end users just filing their own taxes, HMRC must be rubbing their hands together. Like, hurrah, how many investigations well, and pound fines can we get out of people? Yeah, I mean, obviously, individuals can file their tax returns, but of course they, can. they don't because they want that peace of mind mm-hmm. that it's getting correct. Yeah. And you can't rely on a bank to get that correct. And I guess we should state that it's not just the neo banks developing this stuff. It's, you know, the normal banks are also developing. Yeah. Just in case hashtag we start not, getting... Hashtag not all banks. Yeah. In, t- in case. Not yet. And there's accounting softwares that are saying the same. I mean, I think I was yeah. on YouTube and saw after yeah. your post on LinkedIn, I ended up getting the same sort of software picture yeah. saying, "Hey, entrepreneur." You <laughs> don't need an account. Yeah, yeah. Something and like I think that. It's and all of these businesses, and like, I'm not an idiot. I know there's a massive difference between clever, fun marketing versus what it actually looks like in real life. You know, I'm not an idiot, like sequence shortened for advert and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's quite a dangerous message because you've got people, and maybe this falls back to accountants as a kind of, as a, I mean, what's the collective noun for a group of accountants? I don't know. Accountai. Accountai. <laughs> Wankers. Uh, an abacus of accountants, I don't know. Um, yeah. A, a, a gaggle, no, that's geese. Anyway, whatever we are, collecting down for accounts, whatever we are, as an industry, we're not brilliant at explaining why we're so valuable to clients. And when they're bombarded with messages, when they're out in their vans on the radio and they see it at tea time on the TV and they've not heard from their accountant for four months, they start going, oh, actually, yeah, why do I need them anyway? I'm going to do it myself. They'll come back in two years, but in that two year period, what damage is done? And that's hmm. where I'm worried about that middle of the Venn diagram where we've got problems. And it, it's not just the damage that's done, it's the fact that when they come back to you, you've got to fix the problem as well. And they won't yeah. want to pay you to do it because they think they've paid someone else to, to create that problem. Exactly, yeah. And there's all kinds of other questions about professional indemnity and liability. If your bank's filing a tax return and the, it's wrong and they just literally going to go back and go, that's your own problem. I mean, Hmm. yeah, I don't know, kind of worms, isn't it? If we're talking specifically about the banking sector, effectively everything in the banking sector now is commoditised, isn't it? People get the cheapest mortgage, the cheapest loan, the the bank that will pay the most interest, for example. And so do you think that's why it's reflected in the way that they're going about doing this in terms of pricing services? Because like you say, £7 a month, cheapest chips, but it's nowhere close to a professional rate of even the cheapest of accountants out Yeah, there. look, accountancy is way more commoditised than it used to be anyway, so we are going down that route. It's way easier to compare accountancy prices online. And let's face it, how many years ago we weren't even allowed to advertise, so it definitely wasn't commoditised then. But switching accountants is easier, switching banks is easier. We are in a space where kind of having those long-standing client relationships, if you're going to have them, is going to take significantly more effort, or you can play on the commodity thing. But to go full circle back to what you put into your technology, everyone wants to have that extra thing. Everyone wants to have that little silver bullet. Everyone has that. Oh, you, you get all this, ooh, and you get this free meerkat toy or whatever else. And people are making decisions on where they buy their car insurance based on what toy they're going to get out of it. And we are in that quite basic space. And unfortunately, we can stand there and try and take the high ground and go, yeah, but accountancy is professional and blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, if that's the messaging that we're getting elsewhere, it's not something that's happening in law, interestingly. You're not having big adverts for bits of law software at the Super Bowl. You do your own contracts, yet. do your own HR, yet. Law tech is definitely a thing that's coming. And it'll be interesting to see how that industry is the closest equivalent, if you like, of that hmm. professional style industry. 
when they start getting fee sensitivity to the degree that we do and well I got a quote from them and they were three pound a month cheaper so I'm going to go with them well okay yeah yeah it's an interesting one and for the legal side though the significant difference between your lawyers and accountants is that lawyers tend to be very much transactional based it's a i need a will i need to buy a house i need to yeah. do i and need to get are, divorced whatever software as well like seed legals yeah. and things that are coming yes. out yeah 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 yeah, yeah. rocket lawyer and people like yeah. that yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, before we start delving into the world of law tech, because we could go down that rabbit hole and never escape, <laughs> I think we should probably try and bring this to a close. Now, you summed it up quite well in that commoditization point of view and the fact that we're also, as accountants, struggling to find the value in a lot of accounting software. Yeah. But if you want to go and develop your own, it's a lot of money to do it by the sounds of it and a lot it's of energy. Not- it's neither cheap nor not stressful, let's put it that way. <laughs> but it sounds like the return on investment could be very quick because you said it was launched, what, two, three months ago? Yeah, so the full version was launched two or three months ago and we'll start seeing time savings, which we have equated to monetary savings in October this year. Yeah. So um, and, and the original return on investment from phase one has already happened. So six to 12 months, you're already you're getting your money back. And yeah. I think that's a perfect summary of why you should consider doing this and why maybe... Yeah accounting firms that listen to this podcast will go and do that themselves um, yeah, and a good way to delight the customers because as you said it makes them quite sticky and at least they yeah. hear from you more often yeah i'm not a lover of just presenting problems for things i always like you i was my favorite thing to start is don't give me don't ask me don't tell me the light bulb needs changing ask me where the light bulbs are and so gives you the opportunity to do that to go and sit there complaining that this doesn't work with that or that doesn't work with that could you fairly and it is cheaper to develop than it used to be and it's more accessible than it used to be there's plenty of places that will do it for you could you solve some problems it hasn't got to be a huge scale development but something small just to fix some internal annoyances could you do it and make your life a bit happier and increase your revenue or decrease your cost slightly increase efficiency yeah probably why not why not so all your accountants out there listening either accept that this is what it is invest time with those software companies early on and help shape the product or just go all out and develop your own. And if you're a software vendor out there, maybe listen to your accountants more. And if you're pitching an amount that you're gonna pay, consider how much it costs for them to build their own. So that brings to the end another Digitals in a Cruel World podcast. If you want to listen to more, please follow us, download and share to others so that they can also experience the wonders of listening to John, Indy and myself. And in this occasion, the wonderful Lucy Cohen. Thank you, Lucy, for coming on the pod. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, learn more about developing their own software, how do they get in touch? I'm pretty active, so please feel free to stalk me online, not in real life, that's creepy. So feel free to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, And I'm at most of the various exhibitions over the year knocking about so come and come and say hello brilliant at least one thing i'm going to take away from here is wearing more purple yeah wear a bit more purple why not i've got purple shoes on today oh you big swat look at that i mean that look, they look blue very flexible right <laughs> love it love it <laughs> That's a skill you didn't know. I thought, yeah. I was, I, I'm, sorry, I'm impressed with that flexibility. Some yoga's happening in your office, clearly. <laughs> well, I know that Ryan had them because you did it in a previous podcast. But I didn't know, John, you could... We've seen you lying like, on the floor with your legs in the air. Yeah. Well, that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. Oh, it's not really good, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, dear. That's when you were it's checking out Merkin. <laughs> we'll be back on Merkins before we yeah. come. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Lucy, for it's, coming on. It's good to know that you're leading the charge back against the tech companies and the banks, Lucy. So, yeah, thanks oh, for that. It just makes me really uncomfortable. You know, you just got this little thing in the back of your head. You're like, I just don't see this going brilliantly. And I might be entirely wrong. No, no, I'm in agreement with you. Yeah, yeah but it just makes me super uncomfortable. In the same way, it makes me super uncomfortable when you had 
books who leapfrog customer over in the states and zero have done it yeah. and all right they put their like oh we're really sorry you didn't mean to i'm like oh come on like <laughs> really do you really think they want to sell through accountants forever oh. yeah yeah, it's going to happen in the really UK at some point. It will happen on scale in the UK. Of course it is. And it just makes me uncomfortable as an industry. We're not amazing at going, we're fantastic. This is why you need mm. us. We're like, oh, you probably should have an accountant. But it's all right. You can do it yourself if you want to. Don't worry. <laughs> and we just need to be a little ballsy, don't we? And, and stand up and go, no, we're fantastic. We need to have yeah. less imposter tenure about what we actually do. We need to be better at marketing, better at shouting yeah. about the things yeah. that we make a difference about. Like the, it's yeah, fundamental in an account, isn't it? We deal with entrepreneurs and we can literally change their lives. Yeah, and let them sleep at night, you know, which is a is very valuable. Thank you so much for coming on, Lucy. If there's anything oh. that you don't want us to put out, you think, oh, God, I wish I hadn't said that, please let us know. Um, no, I, I don't even mind you saying you think that it's a crap on. <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. I think that should be opening. It's like a soundbite. I, I didn't yeah. even know what one was, so I was just like... <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know what one was. <laughs> you didn't tell me. outtakes about Merkin chat or something. If literally, if you didn't tell me, I would have been like, oh, that sounds like a very helpful device. Or like. <laughs> well, like a sort of like a burger, like a lucky bag. Oh, yeah, lucky bag. So I must go where, and buy one of this those. This is where Ryan and I are lost in the bags. You can get jeweled ones. Jeweled Merkins. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. How now, do you know that? This is getting weird. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of the many things like I know your, about. Your Google search history scares yeah. me. <laughs>